Hello, everybody. Today, we are going to work on a figure painting using water mixable oils. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. I did these thumbnails last night to get ready. You can see there are four of them. They're pretty developed because I feel like the value is really, really important in this painting. And let me show you some of the tweaking I did to the reference photo. The reference photo link is in the YouTube video description below. You can take a look at that. What you see on the right-hand side, that is the original reference photo. And I did a lot of tweaking, did a lot of versions too. Probably did at least eight or so tweaked photos. You can see a bunch of changes in terms of the orientation of the figure. And you'll also notice that the hand that is touching the ground, I actually darkened it quite a bit because I feel like it was calling too much attention to itself. When really what I'm interested in in the tweaked photo is that line of light that starts at the top with the foot, moves downwards into the thigh. And then for me, the real area of tension that I'm gonna be after is the hand, which is gripping the top of the hair. This isn't stuff that you figure out <laughs> in five minutes. <laughs> It's a lot of prep work. And that time that I spend in Photoshop is significant. It's not a small thing. The other thing that I did next is I scanned in the thumbnail that I want to use. And I just played with color because what I'm going to work on today is an underpainting that's monochromatic. I was trying to figure out which color would be the best fit. And remember, it's an underpainting. So the final painting is not going to look like this. In fact, I don't know what the color scheme is yet. <laughs> I have to figure that out. Let's do the underpainting first. But I was intrigued by doing a bright red underpainting. I don't really like the one on the left. I feel like that one is a little bit too pinkish. I want something that's more cadmium red light. The one in the middle, which is more a burnt sienna, that's the traditional color. If you're doing a portrait or a figure is burnt sienna, because for good reason, skin tones are variations of brown. And so that's more traditional. But you know something, I was so jealous of Lauren's sink painting that she started with a bright magenta color. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna have the guts to do that. Well, you know what? Today's the day, <laughs> today's the day to see if I can make it happen. We'll see, it could be a complete car crash, but let's give it a shot. So let me talk through how I picked the thumbnails because I do think that gets confusing. Okay, well, I have all these thumbnails, which one do I pick? This is the first one I did, and I didn't like how straight 
the torso was because really I love the diagonal of the leg, but what's happening in the torso I felt was too upright. This one to me felt too ordinary. I mean, yes, I changed the orientation a lot, but it feels like a pose that you could manage to do in real life. This one, I guess I didn't like it because it's close to the real pose, but it's not dramatic enough of a shift in orientation. It, it still feels a little ordinary to me. I was a little afraid <laughs> of number four because to me, number four is so disorienting. And I don't know what's going on. And it's funny because in the other thumbnails, I didn't bother with the cast shadows that are coming from underneath the leg and the hand, but I did do it in number four. And it does a couple things. I think it messes with your feeling of weight distribution because you expect cast shadows to be under the figure. It also breaks up this big triangle in the background, which I didn't like. Actually, I have the big triangle here and I felt like that was a little bit flat. And then I, I liked how the hand was at the very bottom, that that's a contact of tension, but it's being almost shoved into the lower right-hand corner. And I liked how there was room here for that hand. So that's my reasoning for going through the reference photos. Typically, I just do them in line, but I think this one, because the background is gonna have so much value, I felt like I couldn't do it in line. I really needed to see, okay, what is the shape of this? This is more gray, this is very highlighted. And so that's why you're seeing them in value. All right, I was gonna do some thumbnails in colored pencil to plan out the color scheme, which I never do. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm just going to do the underpainting. Because regardless of the color scheme that I end up with for the final painting, it's not going to change the underpainting that much. Because I just really want to do a super bright underpainting just to see what happens. It's a little scary, but you know, whatever. <laughs> So if people want to see the supplies that I'm using today, they are in the YouTube video description below. The other thing is when I'm working on the underpainting, I really have to keep a sharp eye on this thumbnail. I have to be able to see the thumbnail the whole time. So really what I'm doing when I do the underpainting is I'm looking at the tweaked reference photo and I'm looking at the thumbnail because the tweaked reference photo doesn't have the edges and corners of the composition. And so you're looking at both the reference photo and the thumbnail to keep track of the composition. Because sometimes I see people have a thumbnail that they've worked very hard on and then they get to the painting, they stop looking at the thumbnail. And then at that point, you've sort of thrown out all of those critical composition choices that you've made. So look at both the whole way through. Before I even start the underpainting though, I'm going to do some tests with the paint because I don't know how any of these colors are going to behave. And I don't want to go on the panel right away. So you can see here on my palette, 
I have three different kinds of reds. This is Indian red. This is cadmium red light. And I like cadmium red light better than cadmium red because it has a lot of yellow in it. It's not as much of a deep crimson. Because I know a lot of people like to use cadmium red, but I happen to like cadmium red light better. And then there's Alerson Crimson, a color I'm very familiar with. And this is like blood. <laughs> it's like blood paint. So it's a very beautiful, deep purple red. I mean, I feel like it's almost purple. It's that deep. So out of these three colors, I know Alyssa Crimson like the back of my hand. Cadmium Red Light, I've used it a lot, but the thing is I never use it in large quantities. I've always used it as an accent or I'll use it as a glaze. So using a big quantity of Cadmium Red Light, that's not an experience I've had before. Indian Red, I've never used before. And from the looks of it, it's sort of like burnt sienna with a little bit more red, but I'm not sure. Let's just throw into the mix <laughs> because I have no idea what is going to work. And if you're looking for the reference photo, that link is in the YouTube video description below because it would be so fun for some of you to draw or paint along with me. And then after the stream, we'll have a chat in the Discord where everybody can post their stuff and we can take a look. And you don't have to paint or draw what I'm doing. You can make whatever. If you've got other projects going on, that's totally cool. All right. Morphous. So long since I made it to a a live stream. This feels wonderful. Oh, good. Excellent. Seven Angelic says, I've done magenta for underpainting before. Surprised on how much I like it. I mean, art school Clara, 20-year-old Clara would have run miles and miles away from cadmium red light screaming. <laughs> it is so scandalous of a color for me. <laughs> Anna says, I love cad red light for its orangey red hue. Love alizarin crimson. Indian red is very similar to burnt sienna. It looks like it. I'll take a look. The only thing I don't like about burnt sienna is it does feel a little bit yellow to me. And, and sometimes that's what you want, but that's not what I want today. And plus, me and burnt sienna, we go back a long way. We, we No surprises. <laughs> we know what's going on. Okay, so the, the technique I'm going to do today is a reductive technique. And I'm going to use this fast drawing medium because I'm using water mixable oils. And with an underpainting, I get impatient <laughs> for the later part, not so much. And what I like to do I'll take the bottle and I will put it into a plastic squeeze bottle. A lot of people, I don't know if you guys have seen these things they sell at the art store, they're called palette cups. So they're usually these little metal cups that you can keep on your palette. But what I don't like about the palette cups is that people will put their medium into the palette cups. But the thing is, 
every time you dip your brush into that palette cup, it's making the medium dirty. And you can imagine the longer you paint, the dirtier it gets. Now, what's nice about the squeeze bottle, hopefully I can do this. <laughs> oh, crap. I better do it over here. So I'll put whatever medium I happen to be using. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that didn't spill. <laughs> so I'll put this on top. And so actually the way I will use the fast drying medium is I will put little droplets of it like this. So what this does is it guarantees that every time you add that medium to your paint, it's totally clean. So those palette cups, I'm sure they work for some people, but I'm such a clean freak when it comes to water mixable oils because I wasn't at first. I just dipped everything everywhere and I paid for it because <laughs> my paintings were so muddy. They were terrible. And so I noticed, wow, when you clean your brushes, you get better color. Those types of really incredible. <laughs> Oh, Jazz says the photo is not in the video description. Yes. As Seven Angelic is saying, I had some trouble with StreamYard yesterday, but I did pop the link to the reference photos at the very top of the chat. If you go all the way to the top, that link is there. Yeah. So sorry about that. It's also in the Discord. So if you go into post live streams, I dropped my thumbnails in there. Everything is in there. Ram says, I have a set of water-soluble oils with me not knowing how to use it. I will get some idea now. Well, the thing about the water-mixable oils, I think people keep asking me, oh, how are they compared to oils? And my suggestion is, don't think about it that way. I actually see these as just a third medium. So you've got acrylic, you've got oil. These to me aren't really oils. I mean, I like I know they are, but they, they're not like real oils. They're kind of like poser oils. <laughs> and so they're not great for me to think about them as oils because I have all these expectations about how they're going to behave and it's not the same thing. It is different. Okay. Let's start out. I'm going to get a lot of the fast drying medium. And the concept behind this is that you put down a lot of color. Let's just try the academy brush. <laughs> it's so scary. <laughs> oh my God, it's terrifying. It's so bright. <laughs> it's hurting my eyes. It's so bright. Okay, let's try this. <gasps> it's fine. Oh dear, I'm going to need a lot of this. I think I need way more medium because the technique I want to show all of you, it's a reductive technique. So it's where you tone the canvas one color and then you wipe away. So that's not the same thing. I'm curious, people who paint here, 
how many people paint with a toned canvas? So I oftentimes, if I'm painting, I'll put like a tone of burnt sienna and then I'll paint opaque paint on top of it. This is different. This is where I'm gonna rub away. So tell me in the chat who here will tone the canvas first and who here just starts with the white? Because you know something, neither one is correct. It's just depends on what you're doing. Sometimes the burnt sienna tone is not very helpful. Sometimes you do want that white. It just really, really depends. Okay, so to show you all where this is going, once I would have the whole thing toned, I guess I should use some medium for this. The concept is you take a rag, cotton is best. I don't even know if this is gonna work. <laughs> I've never tried this with water mixable oils. Oh yeah, that works pretty well. Okay, so that's the concept is that you can go in with the medium and you can almost get to the wide of the page. And so then you can lift like this. I usually do this, I take the rag and I wrap it around my finger. So it's pretty easy to make gradients. You can make it pretty gradual. And if you add more medium, it does lift more. So I like this technique. I feel like it's a very sculptural technique. I'm gonna do just one section of Indian red. I, I'm gonna guess that it's probably too brown for what I want, but I just wanna see what the color looks like because I haven't used it very much. By the way, everybody, I will get to your questions. So I'll take breaks to read the chat. So if you have a question, you can post in the chat and I'll come back to it later. You know, I'm wondering if I can do the same thing with water. Let's just see. I mean, my first impulse is to use the medium because it's just beefier. But let me see what happens if I add color. I'm not color, water. Okay, that works okay. It works okay, but it's not as good as the medium. So if you look at this, this is the water removing. This is the fast drying medium. And hopefully you can see that this is a little bit duller. This is more luminous. So I'm gonna stick with the medium because the medium is getting better results. Yeah, geez, I really can't get it to the wide of the page. But then when I do this, yeah, the medium is much better. I don't know how fast this is going to dry. It's still pretty wet. By the way, everybody, this is what I do for cleanup. So you don't want to dump this down the sink. This is the water I have. What I do instead is I take the jar of dirty water and I put it outside. And it takes a long time. You have to wait for it to evaporate. But this is what it looks like after it's evaporated. And then all the 
paint goes down to the bottom. So this is the safest way to do it. You gotta be patient, but you know, it's just stick it outside. It's fine. All right, let's try to get on. And I, I think I need to use a lot of medium. So I'm gonna be impatient. I'm gonna dump quite a bit because I, I didn't realize I was gonna need that much. Okay, and actually I'm gonna need more cadmium red. And tell me in the chat, who here has used water mixable oils? Who here has done oil? Who here has done acrylic? So just tell me in the chat, what are some of the painting media you've used? Maybe you're a gouache person. Maybe you're into watercolor. I just did the watercolor workshop yesterday. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. I always tell the people in the workshop that talking to everybody, seeing their work, that's my treat for all the administrative crap I have to do all day. <laughs> because that, that's the heart of what we do here is the interactions that I have with all of you. That is it. I mean, a lot of people might say, oh, it's the tutorials, it's producing content. And, and sure, that's part of it. But to me, it's like the content isn't very important if you don't have the opportunity to see how people are using it and to talk to them about their progress. It just feels to me like a lot of the teaching I see online is all passive. They say, okay, here are the videos, you get them. And here's a chat, you can all hang out. And then the teacher's gone. I'm like, what is this? This is not teaching. The teaching is the interaction. The content is such a small piece of that. So I'm curious, those of you who are in the chat, tell me if you've taken an online class before with us or somewhere else and whether you had interaction with the instructor, because I'm just sort of shocked that a lot of places there's not one-on-one -on -one feedback. And I, I just don't see how you can learn if you're not getting one-on-one -on -one feedback from the instructor. I'm going to do the cadmium red. <laughs> Sorry. Elizabeth crimson and Indian red. Indian red, you're probably really cool, but not in this context. So maybe I'll give you a shot some other time in uh, Indian red. Ren Sienna, you're always there for me. I can rely on you. So I'm using a lot of medium because one of the things that medium does, it lets the paint flow. If I just go straight, you can see it doesn't go on very well. So the medium is incredibly important so that I am able to really push the paint across the surface. Jeez, I need a lot. This paint is pretty, it's stiffer than I thought it was going to be. I guess maybe because the last painting I did was acrylic, I'm forgetting. <laughs> but yeah, lots of medium. 
I don't know. I might be putting this on a little too thick, but you know something? Better too thick than not enough, because with this technique, you can always rub away. So there is somewhat of a safety net. Oh, what is all this crap in my brush? There's like hairs. It's really hard to keep your brush this clean. And I don't paint that much, so I don't invest that much time into it. So this is the grunt work of the beginning underpainting. And then we can do the fun part. The nice thing about this technique working reductively and using the rag, it does feel very sculptural to me. And I have a background in sculpture. So it's nice to make painting feel not so two-dimensional. There's crap in here. What the heck? There's like dry paint. I oh, that's so annoying. And the hairs are coming out of this. <sighs> that's the thing I don't like about oil painting. It's so much housekeeping. You know, with it's me and the pencil, it's just, okay, pencil, paper, we're done. <laughs> this is like, wash everything, scrape, wipe down. And I know a lot of people associate painting with a brush. And sure, painting with a brush is, yeah, oftentimes the vast majority of what you apply. But the thing is, the rag is such a good tool. Tell me in the chat, who here has done painting with a rag? Because rags are not just for cleaning. They're a tool the same way that a brush is a tool. It's just people don't think to use it because it's not as obvious as a brush. Adjust my webcam a little bit. Okay. Let's see what people are saying in the chat. Seven Angelic says, for drawing time, how do you find the water mixable oils? It's about the same as oil paint, although it depends on the color because different colors dry at different rates. So with oil painting, I found that yellow ochre was the fastest drying color out of the ones I used and cadmium red would really take forever. I mean, I had some colors two weeks to dry. I didn't really have that with the water mixables. So I'd say about the same with a few exceptions in oil paint just taking absurd amounts of time. But then also depends on the medium you're using. I know a lot of people use a lot of linseed oil, which for me isn't great because it takes so long to dry because linseed oil extends how long it takes and I'm impatient. <laughs> Marta says, would it be possible to use reductive technique with traditional oil paints? For example, using turpentine. Yeah, this technique works great with oil paint, it doesn't work well with acrylic because acrylic dries too quickly. By the way, I would not recommend using turpentine as a solvent for oil painting, it's so bad. They used to use it a lot, all the time, but now what I recommend to people is use Gamsol. Gamsol's mineral spirits, but it's very low odor compared to turpentine or gum terps, which are also super stinky. 
So that's what I recommend. Wow, we have a lot of painters in here. Jazz is saying, can you use a sponge to tone the canvas or a rag? You can, but I feel like it would take longer because those are more textured than the brush. But yeah, any way you want to get those textures on the canvas, go for it. MX Honeyfoot says, I did like one painting with water mixable oils. I used a bright pink underpainting. That was fun. Yes, I'm taking a cue from Lauren. I would never <laughs> think about that. Okay, so it looks like we have a lot of people here who tone their canvases. Dane's Dwelling says, I have to have color in my canvas before I actually start. I get overwhelmed by the white. Start, stall starting or start applying too many colors to fill the space. Well, the thing about the white canvas, it just feels blank. And putting this down, I feel like I have a foundation. Something has been laid out that holds everything else up. And the other thing about the white of the canvas is it takes longer to get it covered because oftentimes when I'm teaching, say, introductory painting, one thing that I really have to push students to do is to get rid of that white of the canvas. And, and you'd be surprised it takes a long time for some people. So this just gets rid of that problem. You don't even have to think about it. Yeah, MC says, want to get the white out of the way ASAP. Trisha tones them. Wow, we got a lot of people talking about painting in here. I love it because you know something, the conversations all of you have in the chat without me are really important because you know something, this is not, I'm the teacher, I tell you what to do. This is a community where everybody shares their experiences and you learn from each other. You're probably going to learn more from each other than from me. And that's why I really enjoy the workshops because listening to other people's conversations, it, it's not a one-way street. It's more like a ping pong ball. It's just, we're passing it around. <laughs> I like that a lot. Karen says, I've used water mixable oils with the reductive underpainting work if you dilute the paint following fat over lean principle. Well, the concept is usually thin to thick. So this is not that thick. I mean, I probably could make it a little thinner, but it's usually okay. This is a good tip from Lara. I use acrylics at the beginning because it dries fast and then finish the painting with oil. I like the warmth of the oil paints and they dry slowly so I can do details. Super smart. I love that. Because if you're impatient, <laughs> you don't have to worry. Thank you so much, 10,000 Crows, for the super sticker. Those super chats help us so much, everybody. Thank you for your wonderful support. All right. Let's dig into this. So here's my reference and my thumbnail. 
is over here. And so typically, I think a lot of people would say, okay, well, you want to sketch the outline of the figure. Diving with the rag feels a little scary, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do any outlining. And sometimes, well, actually, most of the time I do. But for this technique, it doesn't make a lot of sense to paint outlines. I got to look at this thumbnail. Where am I going to put it? <laughs> what the heck? There's nowhere to put it. Okay, there you go. I need more medium. Jeez, I'm going to go through this whole freaking bottle today. I do recommend, because people ask me a lot about the mediums, I'm using Winsor & Newton. And I do suggest if you buy Winsor & Newton water mixable oils, buy their mediums. Because, sure, you can mix and match, but I guess I just stress that, oh no, it's going to blow up if I use another medium from another brand. And, and this way, I'm insured that, oh yes, these paints are going to function with these. So, Winsor Newton has a whole line of mediums that are for specifically water-mixable oils. So, I have the fast-drying medium. I also have stand oil. So stand oil is basically linseed oil, which has been heated. And because it's been heated, it's thicker. So you have linseed oil, but then you have stand oil, which is like linseed oil, but it's more like honey. I like stand oil more because it just has more body, feels a lot more substantial. And the nice thing here is that if you don't like what you've rubbed out, it's so easy to get rid of it. Again, wrapping the rag around my finger, at least for now, because right now I just, I want a little more control. And I do this pretty mushy. <laughs> because you sort of have to start that way. And I'm not going to try to make anything crisp or clear. I really am going to just... Oh, wait. I'm on the wrong canvas. Oh, my gosh. I'm so stupid. I should have toned the big canvas. Oh, my God. I'm so dumb. This was supposed to just be my test. Okay. Well, since we're here, let's just do some tests. I'm going to do a really quick study. Yeah, I meant to do that. I really did. It's like the jelly tutorial where I printed, but I didn't put the stupid stencil on. Oh my God. I felt like such a moron because you know something, it, it is good to do something of a test just to figure out, okay, what is, what is going on here? Because I, I haven't done this technique before. And actually, if you all notice, this is a stretched canvas, which actually isn't great for this particular technique. Oh man, I'm gonna go through so many rags today. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> I'm so stupid, you guys. Okay, so this panel, 
that I'm using, this is from Ampersand. And so it's an artist panel, primed canvas texture. And it's really nice. It's acrylic, just so primed. And it's also cradled. I don't want to show you the back right now because I have it taped down. But maybe I'll take a photo of that later. Okay, let's do it for real. <laughs> so what's nice about this panel is that it's really stiff. Because when I was using the stretch canvas, there's like a bounce. This has no bounce. It's super rigid. So I do recommend if you want to try this technique, it is really helpful to use something that's nice and flat. And you know something? I feel like that, I feel like that um, layer I put on, I think it was too thick. So actually this one, I'm not gonna make it as thick. I'm gonna make it a little thinner, which means yet again, more medium. Because sometimes if it's too thick, it actually can make it sort of hard to wipe away, which is what I was discovering. And I think I need to spread more. I feel like I'm not pressing hard enough. I mean, the slow dry, fast dry medium rather, it does have a tackiness to it. I mean, it's not very liquidy. And so as I'm putting this paint on, I have to press pretty hard onto the panel to get it to spread because the faster I mean, it is pretty tacky. I mean, <clears throat> if I wasn't such an impatient person, I probably would use the linseed oil or I think they also have safflower oil that they make. So maybe I would use that, but that would take forever and ever and ever. And I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, it's pretty tacky. Tell me in the chat, how much painting have you all done? How many people here just got started? How many people have done it for a little bit? And how many people have been doing it for years? Because I had a very dramatic gap <laughs> in my painting career. I don't really have a painting career. I did nothing but painting in art school, which, which is so weird to me. Like, I, I still feel like I don't remember. It feels like another universe. It's like me in the multiverse. Finally got around to seeing everywhere, everything all at once. Who saw that movie? That movie's so, oh my gosh, like it blew my mind. And I was like, oh my God, how did this movie get made? So much of movies now is just super predictable stuff. And it's so boring. It's like, do I need another rom-com with Jennifer Aniston? I'm sorry. If you all like Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> I just, oh my God. It's, I feel like they're recycling the same movie over and over again. It's just like they changed the romantic lead. It's like, oh, it's not Ben Affleck. This time it's Owen Wilson. Although 
the worst matching I think in a rom-com I've ever seen was Ray Fiennes and Jennifer Lopez. I was like, are you kidding? This, this is wrong. I was like, could you find two actors that are more mismatched? Like, I did not buy that for a second. And I love Ray Fiennes. I mean, I don't love him like I love Hugh and Benedict. He's not up there, but I really like him in movies. He just, he's got that voice. It's like Benedict. <laughs> the voice is half of the attraction. There's so much crap in my brush. Ugh, I feel like maybe I let these mixable oils sit for too long. <clears throat> and so maybe that's why there's so much dried paint in there. Oh, I just heard Buddy snore. He's in the office. Wasn't sure if I was going to let him stay here, but he really likes my office. Probably should have used a bigger brush, but that's okay. So what I'm doing right now, I'm painting over some of the parts I already painted, but I'm <coughs> trying to smooth out the strokes. So it's just a little more even. It doesn't have to be perfect. But I know for me, it really helps. Oh my gosh, I am just burning through this fast drying medium. And I still don't really know <clears throat> how long this will take. I mean, it's really wet right now. I mean, I don't think it's going to rival the dry time for acrylics. I mean, acrylics drive me bats. Who here is an acrylic fan? And who here had a bad date acrylic? <laughs> Ever since I talked to Alex Rowe, he used to be a TA here about acrylics. I was like, okay, it's not so bad, but it's like deep down, it's not my thing. I just will always like oils more. Oh shoot, I'm getting a lot of glare. You know, maybe I can turn my light a different way because I know that's a little hard to see. Okay, one more pass to even this out. Oh, painting just takes so long. And remember, I worked on those thumbnails last night. I tweaked the reference photos and so this isn't even counting the prep work that went into it. Let me try to fix the lighting, hang on. Oh, that's worse. Shoot. Oh my God, that's really bad. Turn it the other way.
Okay, I'm back. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. <laughs> All right. Thank goodness StreamYard doesn't end the stream. It's kind of funny to me that it does that. Okay. There we go. I actually turned off my light. This is better. <clears throat> Let's look at the chat before I dive into the rag. Does everybody see how much work this is? <laughs> like I'm 47 minutes into the street and this is how far I've gotten. <laughs> yes, it's an intermission. That's what it was. <laughs> We have a question from Kalina. Can you use linseed oil to thin the paint and fast drying medium together or does mixing remove the effect from the quick drying medium? I don't know, I've never done that before, but in my opinion, just make a decision. <laughs> like, I don't see a compelling reason for why you would wanna do that. I don't know if it's like bait equal each other out. No idea. But just try. See what happens. That's the worst case scenario. You do it and it's not very fun. Lunja is saying, what is the name of the fast drawing medium? Fast drawing medium. <laughs> That's what it's called. Windsor and Newton water mixable oils. So DC Nowak, three years. Sonnet says, two years experience at best. When I was in school, I haven't done much since. Stephanie says, two years. 10,000 Crows says, started in 2019, did it for about a year, but then I quit because it's frustrating. Miss being able to make paintings, though. Painting's frustrating. People think it should be pretty straightforward. Paint, palette, brushes, paint. It's not. I think... Out of everything I've learned, printmaking, all that stuff, painting was the slowest learning curve. I mean, it's not as complex as, say, intaglio printmaking. You need a lot of training. You have to learn all the materials and everything. In oil painting, you don't have that. But I think getting good at oil painting takes so much longer than anything else. And so people oftentimes they have expectations that oil painting is going to be fast. It's not. It's so much slower than anything else. I feel like I was better at printmaking sooner than painting. And you wouldn't expect that because the process for printmaking is so complicated. But oil painting to me is a lot harder. Yes. Voldemort and <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. This was before he was Voldemort. Yes, I agree. I'm really sad. Like Benedict and Hugh and who am I forgetting? Oh, wait, Pedro, I think is in something. Pedro Pascal, who has a crush on him. Oh my God, he's all over my TikTok. It's just like nonstop Pedro Pascal because I'm like liking every video to make sure I see more. Oh my gosh, he's so cute, you guys. See, he's not the same as Hugh. Like Hugh to me is like steaming hot. Pedro Pascal, he's just like super nice and charming. And I've watched some interviews with him. He just seems like a really nice guy. 
So does Benedict. Benedict is like such a gentleman. Let's see what else people are saying. MHS Art says, the more you paint, the less you know how to paint. <laughs> I think that's really good. I love seeing all your conversations, everybody, because you learn from each other. Oh, and thank you, Noel Val, for the super chat. So much appreciate your support. My hands are all sticky. Bleh. Marielle says, I love oil painting, but it's so much more difficult to practice regularly than watercolor because of the ventilation needed and all. I'll have to do some research, but I know some people have told me there are non-toxic solvent alternatives. I think somebody mentioned to me spike lavender oil. I've never done it, but I should do the research. Yes, Fuchs Farben, comfy hot. You, did you know what I mean? He's just like, I, I don't really want to say teddy bear because <laughs> that doesn't sound hot because he's, oh my God, his ass, you guys. Oh my God, I'm watching him in Narcos. Has anybody seen that? That's a show on Netflix. Oh my God. <laughs> he's so hot when he's like wearing bulletproof vests. He's like running around with a gun. Oh my God. I mean, I'm not saying guns are great. It was just when he's running around like that, he looks so good. <laughs> Oh, Loon just says the lavender solvent smells really strong. Oh, I don't really like that. I should try it. Okay. Let's dive in. Yes. No outline. No reference. Woo! <laughs> Keeping an eye on my, oh, this is so much easier because of the panel. Yeah, that, that was a pain in the butt. The canvas, it just, it keeps bouncing. It's sort of frustrating to work with. I'm going to try to work with fairly big shapes. And I'm keeping a really strong eye on my thumbnail because I really have to get the placement. That's the most important thing I think in an underpainting is getting the placement because you, you want that really working for you. Oh, it feels so much better on the panel. And you can see, because I have so much medium, it just glides. So I guess I am thinking about the lighting. I already hate the foot. Actually, I'm going to go in because I feel like I didn't really get the angle very good. But I'm not stressing too much. I, I just want to get it down. So a lot of this is probably too bright. 
but I'll fix it later. It's amazing. You have to keep finding a clean spot because if you don't do that, it's pretty difficult to get done. And it's funny because these reference photos are from such a long time ago. I think I shot these 2008. Yeah, because I finished this series. It's called Falling. I finished the series in 2012. And so this is an actress who I worked with. And she was pivotal to this. I really consider this more to be a collaboration because she helped me so much with the pose. Like I didn't tell her how to do these poses. I just described a certain sensation and I had her figure it out for me. So in some ways I, I sort of don't feel like I'm responsible for these poses. I feel like she did a lot of the heavy lifting for me. And by the way, I'm not going to try and make this super accurate. Every now and then on some of our portrait tutorials, we'll get these comments from people who are like, the mouth is too big, the eyes too high, just this rant of proportions. I'm like, just chill people, okay? It's okay if things are not totally amazing in terms of, well, not amazing, but precise. Precision is not the point. Some of my favorite pieces of art are not precise and, and everything's wonky and weird, but it's like, that's kind of the whole point. Okay, because I, I really want to push, I think I need to get this lower. I, I might actually, well, so I'm looking at the bottom and I might actually have this go off the page so I have a little more room to make the hand come down a little bit further. And I am going to go back in with a brush and, and do significant changes. But right now I just want to cover this up. There's so much crap in my brush. I think I'm going to try a different brush. Trying to stay loose. Not easy to do that. And I'm trying to not get caught up with details. Because that's <clears throat> my tendency. I, I will just, I'll just default to that. Oh my God, it looks so bad. Gotta do a lot of squinting. I feel like the pelvis is a little too small. And actually, this is very similar to doing a monotype. 
The only difference is you do it on a plexiglass sheet and you would roll it out with a roller. So I don't know if people had a chance to see the radish monotype I did. I also taught a monotype workshop recently. That was super fun. So there, there's a lot of correlations between oil painting and printmaking sometimes. So I'm looking at the angle of things. So if you guys look at this thigh, I made it way too straight. It's actually more tilted. So now I'm going to go in, I'm going to try to get that angle because that that's very important in figure painting is getting the angles to really work. I wish I had a bigger canvas. I feel like this is sort of small, like I'm sort of itching for things to, but the thing is I don't really want to crop the foot because I feel like that's a really awkward place to crop it. Though I might just end up doing it because I feel like my leg is too short. So one thing I'm doing right now is I'm standing further back because I want to be able to see things better. And actually, I think for the hair, I do need to add some strokes. Oh, I hate this brush. Brush. Ew, this one's bad too. See how it's so floppy? Let me try this one. And this feels really good. <laughs> I just, I love working on a panel. And in retrospect, I'm like, why didn't I use panels sooner? because they're really nice. And it is a very different experience than painting on canvas. So I'm curious how many people here paint on canvas? How many people here have done it with panels? And maybe some of you have done both. Actually, I, I think the reason why I wanna do panels is so my friend, Kathy Speranza, and we have a tutorial with her that's fantastic makes me sad that it doesn't have a lot of views on it. Um, she paints on panel. And since I'm profoundly jealous of her work, I'm like, maybe I can be a wannabe Kathy Speranza. I really need the torso to be better. Torso is where it's at. If I don't have a good torso here, it's, it's like you're dead in the water. And especially this relationship between the kneecaps, you can see I made them too close. So maybe to lower this one. So let's push that further down. And actually maybe I'll extend this one to make that. So that's another thing you can do with the figure because the figure is symmetrical it is really nice to search for those landmarks. So you can say, okay, there are two kneecaps. Is one higher than another? 
You can do the same thing with shoulders. You can say, okay, this shoulder is higher, this shoulder is lower. And that's a good way to figure out proportions because it's, it's really hard to do if you, you don't have any frame of reference because proportions are about relationships. There's no correct size for any part of the figure. I mean, I know there's all these stupid systems and, and you know, if it works for you, great. But this whole, the top of the arm is one and three quarters of a head and the human figure is seven and a half heads tall. And then some people are, no, it's eight. I'm like, just look. Are better than any other proportional system. And, you know, I understand for some people, maybe that's a good entry point, but long-term it's not helpful. I just feel like it's, it's like a kit that people want to use that they feel is guaranteed to get good results. But I do find that oftentimes some of the most measured pieces are the least interesting. Okay, I gotta move on. I'm spending a little too much time on this. But I do wanna get a sense of the, the sweep of the hair. So at the very least I have the direction of the hair because I'm also looking at that too. I'm like, which direction is this going in? Oh, I'm so glad I used the medium because now it's got this really nice tackiness, which is really working for me. So everything is just depends. What is your preference? Oh, I think I do have to put the foot going off the page because I think that's going to give me the drama. I, I need the leg to be much more dramatic. And I think the only way to do that is to let the leg go off the page. Gosh, this, this fast drying me is really sticky. It's like, oh, I feel like I have like honey all over my hands. Jeez, buddy has been sleeping here the whole time. Hairs, the hair should be a little bigger. Or maybe this is too big. Just cut in, shave off some of that part. It's a little hard to see because this is the arm right here, but it's really light. And then it has to cross through to the other side. So I'm going to make that a little bit more obnoxious than it needs to be, just to drive the point home. And then the hair, I'm going to just make this a mess of marks. And I'm ignoring this arm. Okay, I need to stop doing that. Now, this arm, I don't want it to be that dark. But for now, I'm going to make it brighter than it actually is. because I can always glaze over it. Oh, I love glazing. Glazing is so good. 
<laughs> Tell me in the chat who here likes glazing, who here doesn't know what I'm talking about, and that's fine. And who here knows what it is, but maybe you haven't used it, which is also fine. Because, oh my gosh, I probably should try this someday, just glazing a whole painting. Just no opacity. I mean, I don't do that very often because I feel like, oh, the opacity really helps. Oh, this arm is way too long. I can either shorten the arm or I can extend. And I lose, I'm going to lose the leg. Maybe I just make the arm smaller. That's probably the quickest fix. Okay, let's do that. Oh, it is starting to, it's not dry, but it's starting to feel tacky. So what is that, like an hour for that to happen? Yeah, I can feel the tackiness and I like it. I like the tackiness. It's for me a good thing. So I guess the hand is more like there. Is it? Yeah. And so the way I figure that out is I say, okay, where's the hand in relation to the hip? And so I can see the hips a little bit higher, which means the hand has to stay more in that vicinity. Let me move this up so you can see the bottom more. Lots of squinting. Looking back from a distance. And I am trying to get a little structure in here because the human figure is not all round. So now that I have sort of a quick pass, I'm going to try to add a little, oh, this is too high. Let me bring that down. Is it more like that? Oh, that helps. Oh, that really helps because now the thighs are longer, which I, that's what I needed. Oh, good. Let's just get that really solid and more articulate. There's a pretty dark shadow going across. All right, first pass, super wonky. <laughs> By the way, everybody, we still have space in two April workshops, Jelly Plate Experiments, which I believe is April 15th, tax day in the US, and Drawing Cats, which is the last Sunday of April. Candy Licious says, I like glazing, but I've also learned what too much glazing could do, especially when painting a figure. They turned out a little too tan. <laughs> Jazz loves it. Anna prefers thick, juicy impasto, which terrifies me. Shannon loves it. Crispy says, such a wonderful technique, one of my favorites. Really good point. Edie, Eddie, sorry if I said that wrong. 
There's not one thing that an artist can concentrate on that will make a painting great. There are no shortcuts to great art. The artist has to put in the work. Absolutely. I posted these on the Flickr collection. This past weekend, I was in Southern Utah and I visited my, well, my whole family did, <laughs> not just me, uh, my father-in-law who is a violin maker. And I just cannot believe what he does to make violins. It, it's the most refined art form that you can possibly imagine. And I always thought that there's like a little trace of black on the edge of a violin. And I was like, oh, they draw that on. No, that's inlaid wood. He has to cut a piece of black wood and lay it into the, I, and that's not even the hardest thing that he does. He does things like he warps wood. When I was there, he was like carving out the inside of a cello. I'm like, it's all by hand. And I just, I know not everybody can do that, of course. But oh, I wish stuff like that had more appreciation. Something that's just so much training to be able to do that. And 888 says, I work with panels because I don't have space to store canvas. Yeah, this is really helping a lot. Yes, pushing through the ugly phase is a skill. So many people, actually, this is a comment in the workshop yesterday. So in the workshops, we work for two hours. And the last portion is a critique. And I had a lot of people say to me, you know what, I wouldn't have kept going the full two hours. I probably would have stopped much earlier if I wasn't in the workshop. And so I say to people, listen, I know not everybody can do a workshop, set a timer and say two hours. That's the amount of time I'm gonna keep going no matter what happens. And I think people realize, oh my gosh, I can go farther because most of the time people don't go, or they think it's done and they don't realize that there are other options. Debbie's asking about the camera being out of focus. It's not out of focus, but there is a limit to the quality of video on a live stream. The only time I can have really good vivid focus is if I'm shooting on a DSLR and I edit in Premiere, that you'll get really good quality. But on a live stream, you just can't. The tech just isn't as good. Crispy says, do you have any tips for keeping your studio clean while working on a project? <laughs> I don't know that I'm the person to ask. I find when I'm concentrating on a project, especially with a deadline, cleanliness goes out the window. Actually, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm not doing enough. The way I can tell that I'm into my work is when my studio is so messy, I can't be bothered to clean because I'm like so into the work. And then there's some days where oh, I don't want to work. I guess I'll clean my studio. <laughs> like to me, with clean studio means I'm procrastinating or it's the end of a big project. And I just, my studio was a wreck after the woodcut tutorial that I shot on a DSLR. It was a disaster, just wires and crap everywhere. And it sat that way for a long time. It's like, oh my God, I need to deal with this. <laughs> Carolyn says, this is making me want to get up my charcoals. Reductive drawing with charcoal is so fun. Totally. 
This is something you can apply to charcoal drawing, where you tone the whole sheet of paper with bind charcoal, you remove with an eraser, you add with the charcoal. That's one of my favorite drawing techniques. So thanks for bringing that up. Thank you so much, Shannon, for the super chat who says, for the enhanced effort of toning two canvases with that small brush. Oh, good. I'm glad. 10,000 Crow says, I've been in an art slump for a while now, but I swear these live streams always make me want to create something again. That's awesome. Tell me in the chat who here sort of in a slump because that's super common. And if you don't experience that, I don't know, maybe you're kidding yourself, who knows? <laughs> yes, there's a solvent, it's called terpenoid. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, but it does smell really strong. Yeah, I don't like terpenoid, it's, it's a strong smell. The best one is Gamsol for me. That's made by Gamblin. And I like that one the best. Yeah, this is ideal. If you can paint and open all the windows, that is so, so helpful for ventilation. But of course, not everybody has that, but do that. That, that really, really helps with the fumes. Yeah, so Anna says, I've basically eliminated mineral spirits from my studio practice. I keep my brushes in a vat vegetable oil and I use safflower oil as a medium. It's cut down on odors a lot. Oh, I've never used safflower oil. I mean, I can tell you right now, the fast drying medium I'm using and the paint, I, I'm not smelling anything. So water mixable oils is a good solution for that. And I will tell you, yes, this to me is not as good as real oil painting. Sorry. I can't help it. I just love oil painting so much. But it is, to me, better than acrylic. Like, acrylic to me is just so frustrating. And maybe I'm just not good enough at it to not make it frustrating for myself. But between the two, if I had to pick between water mixable oils and acrylic, I think I would always go for water mixable oils. It, it just, it's different, very different than acrylic. Yeah, it looks like a bunch of people are in a slump. Oh, W315, house move? Okay, that, that <laughs> that's an excuse to not do anything for a couple months. Candylicia says, I've been in the slump, created a meh painting. Oh, I know what that's like. You have to make meh paintings. Karen says, come out of a long one, painting with my 85-year-old mother got me out of it. I love that you paint with your mother, Karen. Painting is more fun when you can do it with people. When Jordan and I... We're in California. We, a lot of times, we're just sitting there in the same room working. And I just like that. It's just really, really nice. So Lux, if you look up Art Prof Water Mixable Oils, there is three streams where I paint a bunch of oranges. And that is the stream where I really do break down more of the technical stuff. Because there's a lot. And they're also asking... Do you affect, do they have to research on the archivalness of water mixable oils? 
Not sure. Okay, let's dig back in. Okay. Look. Okay. I'm looking at my thumbnails, trying to make sure I'm on track for the placement, and I also have the reference. Look at both. Don't just look at your reference photo. Right now, I do feel pretty glued to my reference photo, but it's not going to be like that all the time. Oh, it's so, oh, you guys, it is. Okay, this is not drying, but some of the stuff in here is feeling pretty dry. And I like it better when my paints are more tacky. I don't really like it when it's super, super wet. I mean, that's another reason why with watercolors, I really, really like dry brushing because dry brushing to me, it has that sort of structure to it. Sometimes I think with watercolor, people have this expectation that, oh, watercolor, it has to be super flowy and it, it can be. Most of the time people associate it with that, but that's not the only thing it can be. It can be very brittle and very textured and that can be super fun. So I am trying to get a little bit of a sense of structure. So if you look up here, I, I am articulating, okay, there's the kneecap and here's another bone. It's hard to tell which one because of the image. But so that's different than just making it round. Changing slightly the contour of the painting to show a sense of structure. So especially here, this is the tibialis anterior. And then the ankle bone is right up here. So I'm going to get a little bit of a sense of the ankle bone. Okay, this gastrocnemius is a little in control. <laughs> Let's get it. Oh, it's a little bit. So I am tightening up quite a bit, but I have to, so we start to make sense of this mess. It's hard, it's pretty specific what's going on up here. Yeah, I know you guys can't see the foot, but anyway, it's up there. And I am going to start painting more thickly. Get some opacity in there. Oh, this section with the knees is tricky. Because I see the way, like this spot, the gastrocnemius sort of nestled in here. And I'm going to try to get rid of some of those lines. I don't really like those lines very much. Make it a little more subtle. Okay.
there is this like super bright cast shadow and I don't know that I'm going to keep it. I might get rid of it because I feel like it's a little bit too sharp. Oh, I think I'm getting too tight. It's really annoying. At least give myself a lot. I'm like, it's not gestural enough. It's too tight. I guess because when I was younger, I made really tight paintings. And now I'm sort of embarrassed <laughs> that I did. Okay, let's really get this hand going. Oh no, I better work on this. I want to work on the hand, but I don't think I should do that. This is not really ready just yet. So this is more opaque paint that I just put down here. It's thicker and therefore darker. And I'm just cutting into the figure because I think I made it a little bit too wide. And there is this part to delineate the inside. What is that thing called? On the legs behind the knees, it's called a flexion fold. Maybe it's the same thing on an arm. I don't know. Yeah, and the shadows really break up this whole area. And I am going to darken the arm. I don't really want it to be that prominent. Oh, you guys, this is like almost dry. It's tacky, but it's almost there. Okay, what I'm missing right now is I did have these cast shadows that come out. I don't know how prominent I want them to be. I might let them be super subtle but I just want to start to engage with the background now. Oh, that's way too straight. I need to make that more diagonal. Because you know, so I've been ignoring the background. I should not have been doing that. <laughs> so let's, before I get into the hand, because I, I do want to work in the hand, but I feel like I've been neglecting what's happening in the background. And again, I, I don't really know what the value is going to be for these. It, it might really change later. But I just want the shapes there just to say, okay, I know that's a shape. Oh, and you know something else? In my thumbnail, this is all light. Oh, crap. <laughs> I should have done that like way sooner. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Debbie. I was having trouble with StreamYard. So if you guys scroll all the way to the top of the chat, the link is there. And it's also in the Discord if people are in the Discord. I put it in post live streams. Yes, thank you, Seven Angelic. For other people that are wondering. Oh, <laughs> a scarf and tea says elbow pit, according to my kids. Perfect. I really like that. <laughs> Okay, let's do some wiping. I'm probably going to err on making this part lighter than it should be, but I can always go over it. 
and there'll be some opaque paint too. But I think one of the reasons I want to lighten this area is I sort of want this contour of the hip to dissolve a little bit more. Yeah, it's getting tacky, everybody. It's, it's much tackier now. I wonder what would happen if I put water on top. Let's see. Ooh, I don't like the water, you guys. The, the medium is much better. Oh, what is that crap? Oh, I don't think I should have put the water down. It's like making it all weird. Okay, I, I like the medium better. The medium's helping me way more. Okay, so technically, yes, you can use water, but it doesn't feel good. I like the medium way better. Like it just has more body. I feel like I'm talking about shampoo. So I want to keep the division. I don't want to lose that contour. It's got this really bright. Ah! Come on! Sorry, my setup. So this is a little tricky because I want this part to be lighter, but I don't want to lose the contour. And actually this spot, I'm going to see if I can get this like bright white. So I'm pressing really hard and I have medium. Okay, so it, it's not super easy to get that bright white. Like, I'm really pressing hard. But isn't that cool how luminous that becomes? Oh, yeah, I like that. Okay, that's bad. But I had to work for it. <laughs> this was not easy to remove. And up here too, I feel like this spot on the side of the leg is pretty important. So this I really want to push. And so yes, I am losing some of the articulation, but I'm trying to get the tones to be a little more stable. Yeah, that, that's a little bit better in terms of the lighting. I don't know. Now I'm thinking I shouldn't have added the slow dry medium because it's drying faster than I thought. Hard to say. Everything's an experiment. <laughs> Lately, I've just been doing stuff on the streams that I've never done before. Like Jordan and I did the animal anatomy stream i'm like dude i've never drawn an animal skeleton and you can tell the animal skeleton i did the head is like double the size it should have been it was really stupid looking all right back to here so to me this is the most compelling reason to use a panel 
If I tried to do this on a stretched canvas, there's no chance I wouldn't really make like a super saggy canvas. So everybody knows the links to the art supplies, they're in the YouTube video description below. So people who are asking about the drawing medium, it, it should be in there. Hope it is. So I'm making the painting softer now. If you look, you can see I'm, I'm getting rid of a lot of the edges, the, the more clean images, edges rather. Okay, and then this cast shadow is thinner. Yeah, I was working on the figure too much. I really should have gotten to the background a lot sooner. Oh, well. Ah, what is that crap? Oh, shoot. That's the Alyssa and Crimson. Oh, get out of there. Oh. Shoot. All right, new brush. <laughs> brushes are oh this is a good one a lot of my brushes are not in great shape all right still need to get rid of some of this So my plan is that this side is light and then there's like a mess of hair down here at the bottom. I like the, the chaos of the hair and it's got a really cool direction to it that I like. Like this feels good, putting the brush over the tacky stuff. I love that feeling. I guess I just like tacky paint. I like tacky paint more than flowy paint. And I said, I, I, I gotta fix this arm. This arm is not looking good. I'll try to get that. I need more structure. Like the wrist is about here. Okay, and then according to my thumbnail, this part is quite dark. So let's load up a bunch of cadmium here. Get it real dark in terms of value. The thing is, though, the cadmium red, it's like the value range is very limited. It's its not like using Prussian blue, where it, it can almost feel like black. It's that dramatic. Okay, now for the hand, I'm going to brush over 
some of that because I, I don't want the hand to be super clear cut. I want it to be almost barely there. Thank you, Karen, for the super chat. You guys are awesome. Did you know that the majority of our budget still comes from the Patreon group, the people that pledge on Patreon? I mean, you would think that our revenue is from, I mean, it is, a lot of it is the workshops and from doing private arts calls and portfolio critiques, our services, but the vast, like more than half of our budget is from people who pledge on Patreon. And that blows my mind. Cause I'm like, oh my God, what if someday <laughs> we don't have supporters anymore? But it's surprising. Like you would think it's something else, but it's still the Patreon people are the bulk of our budget. And, you know, our budget's not gigantic, but it's not small either. I need more medium. I'm just burning through this right now. Okay, background. I guess it's a little lighter at the top, but not super light. I think it's not as light. Oh man, this stuff is like really drying. It's good, I like that. It's good dry time. I don't like it when it stays too wet for too long. Okay, yeah. So this is where the rag can really help you. Just blocking out. So now I'm getting that cast shadow it is a lot more prominent now. And actually I should make it more dramatic, I think. It's not quite there. I want to get a little wider the top so it doesn't just look like a ribbon, which I don't want. Oh, and I need that cast shadow to start working. Oh, this painting got so complicated so fast. You know what my plan initially I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do a traditional figure painting. I'm going to show everybody <laughs> two flesh stones. And it quickly got thrown out the window. Because, yeah, and, and maybe I should. Maybe I should do a stream at some point that is a more traditional figure painting. Just as an exercise. But it's like as an artwork. That doesn't really interest me very much. Because it's so boring if you think about it. I mean, yes, it's good for developing skills. Like if you don't have a lot of experience and you really do want to know, okay, how do I really articulate the form clearly when I want to? But sorry, I'm just not that interested in that anymore. Oh, this is super fun. This is when it, like it took this long to get this far, to get to the fun part. I'm having fun with this background too. Well, this is all very dark. Check my thumbnail. Oh, what the crap? 
Lizard and Crimson, get out of there. Ugh, come on. Jeez, I shouldn't even put it on my palette. I think Lizard and Crimson is jealous. It's not getting any love from me today. Okay, so here I am going more opaque because I need the value range. And the hand, again, doesn't have a lot of articulation right now, but I'm going to push that up and let's just smooth this out. I don't want anything to be super textured, at least in the beginning. Later on, it, it's going to be different. Weeping Dog says, been a big fan. Thanks to your work, I've been able to get into RISD for my master's. Do you have any advice for me as a student when I arrive? Oh, that's fantastic. Good for you. I would say make sure you explore the resources on campus and that you make friends with the people who work at those resources because they can help you so much. Because yeah, your faculty are very important, okay? But here's an example. The RISD Nature Lab, I love the RISD Nature Lab, it's fantastic. But I got to know the people that worked there, the staff people. And because I did, I had an axolotl. <laughs> Because one of the people that worked there, she knew I was looking for an axolotl because I chatted with her all the time. And they had this situation where Joshi and Lucifer, Gimo's brothers, were chewing his hands. And so the staff person said to me, we can't keep Gimo because his brothers are chewing his arms off. And it's like, if I hadn't ever talked to that staff person, they would never know. And so those are the types of people that I think are not as visible. Here's another example. The RISD store manager, he loves me because <laughs> I always write really good supply lists that are really clear and you know what it is. It's not like some of these teachers, they just write paper. It's like, really? What kind of paper? And he was so helpful to me because I was looking for this one particular type of Duralar and he special ordered it for me at some company. And I would never have gotten that if I hadn't talked to him. So talk to those people. They're so, so helpful. Ashton says, college student printmaker, really loved your dry point and Talio video. Yeah, I've been so shocked that people are interested in that video because dry point is such an obscure technique. And it's a technique that a lot of people can't do because you need a press. And you need all kinds of, it's expensive to do. But it's like, I've gotten such a great reaction to those like super nerdy, obscure printmaking videos. And, and honestly, I was shocked. I was like, whoa, really? <laughs> you guys still want to watch this? Like I always sort of assumed that, and yes, this is true. People want more basic stuff, stuff that's more accessible. And when I did, I was like, wow, there really is value to this because if you search for printmaking tutorials on YouTube, they're terrible. And they're not terrible because I think they're bad. They're terrible because they don't show the whole process. So a lot of the printmaking videos on YouTube, it's like etching in five minutes. It's like, no, this is not very helpful. I mean, yes, it's fun to see an etching happen, 
But as far as really comprehending the depth of the material and the process, five minutes is not going to cut it. Or it's like a time lapse or something. So I'm hoping to fill that gap. Crispy says, you're talking about the cleanup, letting your paint water sit outside. I'm pretty sure there's a product you can mix into your water that separates the pigment. Oh, I didn't know that. Thanks, Crispy. AA says, is the panel as durable as canvas? After all the rubbing, is it still the same texture? I've never tried panel before. Yes, it's super stable. I mean, I'm rubbing really hard. It's fine. It's so, so strong. And these ampersand panels, this is the one that I'm using today. These are very good quality. They're so well built. They are expensive though. They're not super cheap, but it's really worth it. And, oh, C. Cantrell says, what tech do we need to be able to do one of the workshops? Most people need two devices, a phone and an iPad or a desktop. Usually the desktop is to look at reference images, which we oftentimes use. And then the phone is where you can speak on voice and you have to be in the discord. So it, it's a little bit of setup, but it's not difficult once you get in there. And I'm there to help people with tech stuff. So if you come in and you're like, oh, I don't know, I'll, I'll help you with that. Because there's a one week period before the workshop where people can get resources, they get tech help. I look at your work a little bit. So the thing about the workshops is it's not just the workshop day that is part of the experience. There is one week before the workshop and there's another week after the workshop where people can upload their progress if they work on their piece more, if they have another question. So really you're getting me for two weeks support in the Discord and you get the three hours, which is me speaking to you on voice in real time. And... Fuchs Farben, I bet the Crimson stopped the live stream. Yes, it's it's got a vendetta. It's just very resentful. <laughs> Anna says, I used a jelly plate yesterday for the first time. It didn't go well. Couldn't seem to make marks in the printmaking deep enough, deep enough that it printed clearly. Any advice? It could be the paper, Anna. I have found with jelly plates, you need paper that's pretty absorbent. So for example, Reeves BFK, which is a cotton rag printmaking paper is very good. I don't think I've used rice paper on it, but I suspect rice paper would work very well because it's thin, it's absorbent. I find that unless you're printing on a press, when you're hand printing, you do want the paper to be pretty thin because thinner paper will absorb more quickly. On a press, you can print on like Bristol board and it's fine because of the pressure. But I would try that. Try some other types of paper because most of the time it's the paper. The other thing too is if you're used to doing mono, the monos, pff, mono prints on a press, absolutely it's not remotely as accurate. So that, that's the other thing is you can't expect it to be as accurate as a press. Oh, that's it. Okay, so Anna, if you've done it, on traditional press and stuff. The jelly plate really, it takes a lot of time to get used to. It's, it's not something you can figure out right away. 
Ashton says, it's nice to see that you included mistakes in the troubleshooting required in printmaking. Oh, there's a lot of that. I mean, that, that's what sort of frustrates me about some of these videos. Is they cut out all the mess ups and so much of printmaking is messing up and learning how to fix it because something's going to go wrong. I've never done print where it's just whoop, smooth sailing. No, that never happens. And so learning how to fix the mistakes is just as important as doing it right because you can't do it right until you've done it wrong a couple times. And I'm a professional artist and I taught classes on printmaking at the college level and I still have to troubleshoot. So hopefully that's reassuring for you because not every print is a slam dunk. In fact, it's rare for it to be a slam dunk. I feel like that's just beginner's luck. Yeah, Anna says, I was really intimidated by the tech aspects of the workshops too, but it's actually pretty easy and Clara is really helpful. I try to be. I have all kinds of backups to help people as much as I possibly can. And there's other people in Discord that are going to help you too. All right, let's get back to this. Um, hmm. More background and then the hand. I, I want to do the hand, <laughs> but I'm going to keep myself from doing it. Oh, man. Buddy, Buddy keeps making these like breathing sounds. He's like in a deep nap. Looking at the thumbnail because the thumbnail is the key to my background. Because in the reference photo, it's all black, but I don't want to keep it all black. That's going to be super boring. And so that's why I'm trying to lift out Specifically, I'm trying to avoid really strong graphic edges. It's tacky enough that I'm actually thinking about the stand oil, but let's just see. So the concept I was trying to push here is that this section is like bright blinding light coming in from the right-hand side. Oh, shoot. I need more medium. You know something for this? I think I might actually switch to the safflower oil. Let me try the stand oil because this is actually a spot I, I sort of do want it to be a little bit more fluid because it is getting really tacky right now. So let's just try what the crap. Is my water leaking? Okay. So let's try this is the stand oil. Let's see if that helps lift more. Oh that's not helping. I don't think it's that big of a difference, is it? I mean, I'm pressing really hard, you guys. Maybe this is where it's blinding light, and then maybe down here it gets a little darker. Yeah, I'm going to try that. Let, let's just, like, really brighten this spot. Do 
geez, in retrospect, I feel like I shouldn't have used the slow dry medium. I feel like it's drying faster than I want it to. Oh well. I'm gonna let myself lose this edge a little more. Yeah, now we're getting better distribution of strokes. So actually, I'm going to use the Stan oil. And let me see if I can do like a quick glaze over some of this. I feel like this is getting a little too light. Because I want it to be lighter, but I don't want it to be as bright as what's happening on the right-hand side. And actually, I should beef up this bottom area, too. Let's just fill in all of the opacity. Maybe get this cast shadow a little more substantial. And this cast shadow, I think I want it to really dissolve. So as everybody see, this is a cast shadow. And so here, the edges are very clear and then as the cast shadow gets further away from the foot i make it dissolve more that's okay i feel like this highlight is getting a little bit too dramatic so let's just go in and scrub away some of those edges so that it dissolves a little more gradually. So that's another thing to think about when you are considering edges. Okay, so how sharp is the edge? And is there barely an edge? Does, does it just dissolve? Like how fast? I sort of think about it in terms of rhythms that, okay, a hard edge is like a fast, blunt edge. But then something like this where stuff just slowly dissolves is quite different. All right, that's better. Still not thrilled with the anatomy of the foot. Maybe it just needs more drawing to get it more specific. It's weird because this shadow here that's on the gastrocnemius it's, it's really dramatic and harsh yeah i think i'm going to leave this lower corner a little darker i i was going to make it bright white but the thing is i don't want this all bright white like i'm making it bright white and then it sort of gets darker towards the bottom And maybe I'll do the same thing in the top corner. Darken this a little bit so that white in the background feels a little more precious. I don't want it in too many places. Yeah, that feels better. Okay, and I'm looking, I feel like this needs to get darker a little bit higher. I feel like 
I don't want this transition to be very blunt. I want it to be really slow. And so I'm not really adding a lot of paint as much as I am just sort of pushing the paint around the surface. So that's very different than if I just added paint. This is not really adding, this is more like just pushing. And up here, I wanna fix up this texture. I feel like it's a little bit too textured for what I want. The arm is still too dramatic, but you know what? I'm gonna keep it brighter than it's supposed to be because eventually I am gonna make it darker. For now, I'm just gonna let it be. And the hand probably needs a little more articulation. So I think what I'm gonna do, let's fix up this hand and that hand. And then that's probably a good stopping point. I'm glad I did this wacko color scheme. I think it was a good choice. And I might actually extend the hair. So the hair sort of stops at the top of the torso, but I'm gonna make it maybe a little more substantial than that. Sentient says, I came back. There's a body where there used to be smudges. Yes. <laughs> Debbie says, you think you're having problems with fast drawing. I'm following this tutorial in gouache. Oh, gouache intimidates me so much. I mean, especially when I saw Alex Rose gouache paintings, which are phenomenal. I was like, dude, why even try? <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> Yes, Lisa says the workshops work nicely with two devices. I listen on my phone and use my tablet for references. And remember everybody, we have openings in our jelly plate experiments workshop and also drawing cats. So we keep the registration open until it either fills or two days before the workshop goes. Lux wants more printmaking videos. I wish I could make so many. They're just they're so time consuming to make because I'm shooting on DSLRs. I'm using multiple cameras. There's so much to document, just stills alone. I mean, I spent so long just looking for art history images of woodcuts because <laughs> I need to get that art history in there. So th the problem is they just take so long to make. That's the only issue. Anna says, what happened to Alex? Alex is going back to school to be a therapist. And so he's making a career change and turned out that it was more helpful for him to be able to focus on that entirely. So yes, we miss him. Sentient says, for a while it felt like I was seeing this color everywhere in paintings on Instagram. Well, this is attention grabbing. You know, if I had done this in black and white, people are not going to notice it so much. So I get why, but okay. Instagram is very helpful. Okay. We've grown our audience there and it, it really is 
a good platform for a lot of things, but I also feel like it's sort of destroyed people's perception of art because here's the thing, stuff that is subtle and quiet and that takes time to absorb doesn't do well on Instagram. A good example is Via Selman's. Oh, I love her work. She's a printmaker and her work is not loud. It's all black and white. A lot of people would just swipe past it on Instagram, but I've seen Via Selman's prints in person. I saw them at the print collection at the Met. Oh my gosh. They, they're just so <laughs> unearthly. Like, like you look at it, you can't comprehend how somebody makes that. But of course I know not everybody can go to the print collection but it's like the nature and format of social media and what people typically do doesn't match work like that. And that bums me out. Same thing when I visited my father-in-law's violin shop. It's like the stuff that it takes, the time and the patience to see things pay off is so frustrating for people. They, they don't have the patience for that. And so usually what I see all the time on Instagram, and I'm sorry, I'm just sick of this. My 50 hour painting in five seconds. It's like, there's no appreciation for the craft that goes into that. And it bums me out because they're phenomenal artists and techniques in the world. But it's like, it doesn't fit social media's box. You can't condense it down that quickly. And that bums me out. So unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that's like, ooh, I put all this paint on and I'm putting a squeegee over it. It's like, that's what gets attention on social media, which for me is a big bummer because you're just missing out on the more subtle things that cannot be done or even, I mean, I almost feel like seeing my father-in-law's violin making practice, I almost feel like it'd be an insult to film his process do a time lapse and make it a 15 second video. I feel like that's almost disrespectful to the craft, but I, I don't know. I, I might actually go back and paint at his shop because it's, it's a beautiful space. I mean, not beautiful as in like tidy, but it's like a real space. Like you can see the work that's invested. So I was thinking about doing um, maybe a, drawing when I was there. I might do some preliminary ones um, just from the reference photos I shot just to sort of plan a little bit what I might want to do. But yeah, like I, I was just floored by what he does. It's so, it's just, is incredible that people have that kind of patience. And actually <laughs> a few days later, a violin making video popped up on TikTok. I was like, oh, cool. So it was about this person that is studying how to make a violin at this institution, like the school. And I was so annoyed because she didn't show the stuff that I think is really fun. She showed almost like a museum, like everything was on display, everything was clean. I was like, are you serious? Like, this is not violin making. This is like violin museum. And if you guys look at the reference photos that I shot at the violin shop, I mean, he's got wood 
shavings everywhere. Of course, it's dust on the floor. And I'm like, okay, this is a real space. Like you can feel the depth of that workspace. And I'm like, I don't want to see a museum of violence. I want to see the real thing. The other thing that was funny about his shop is he has so many clamps. Like I've never seen that many clamps in my entire life. Just like racks of clamps. And it's like some people would say, oh, that's ugly. I'm like, no, that is so much of the process. It's just all these clamps. It's ridiculous. <laughs> all right. I'm going to get a smaller brush. And I am going to try to do some anatomy just because I need that for this to really come across. And I'm going to use thicker paint and try to, oh shoot, I lost a finger. Let's get that finger back. Sorry, move this up. There we go. So this is sort of delicate what I'm doing right now, but I, I need to know at least, okay, where are the knuckles? Where's the other stuff? Okay, and then the knuckles are actually very bright. So let me darken the back of the hand and lift a little more because this one finger is actually pretty far out. Much thicker paint than what I was doing before. And by the way, in terms of print collections, a lot of people don't realize this, but you can request a visit. You can call it the print collection and say, hi, I want to make an appointment. And they will pull out prints for you. So you can look at the collection online, see what they have. And you can say, I want to see Albrecht Durer's Adam and Eve engraving so I can feel totally inferior as an artist. <laughs> you can do that. Because I, well, I would take my classes to the Risky Museum. That was super fun. And I got to see these Michael Mazur prints. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> like Michael Mazur, He's the type of artist, like, there's a lot of artists I love their work, but it's not the type of work I do. And Mike Mazur, like, I really wish I was him. Like, <laughs> it's really that dumb. <laughs> I don't really feel that way about a lot of artists, but I feel that way about Mike Mazur. He's <laughs> so good. Oh, my God. And I got to meet him. Did you know? I got to shake his hand. And I didn't even know who he was. I felt like such an idiot. I just shook his hand. That's it. I also got to shake Sarah Z's hand. Sarah Z's having a show at the Guggenheim. And I'm really sad that I'm not going to see it in person. I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe it'll be open through the fall. I'm not sure. But I'm so sad that I don't get to see that show. And I'm also very jealous because you know who also who posted on Instagram that they went to the Sarah Z show at the Guggenheim? Hugh Jackman. I'm like, oh my God. If I had a show at the Guggenheim, Hugh Jackman would come see it. Like, you guys, I, I've been going about this all wrong. I should have had a career in New York. So Hugh Jackman would come. <laughs> and I saw his wife did a studio visit with Sarah Z. I was 
oh my God, it's not fair. Why don't I have Sarah Z's career? <laughs> I mean, yeah, the art career would be nice, but I just want to meet Hugh Jackman. I really think I'd start crying. I think I would start bawling if I met him. <laughs> See, like Pedro Pascal, I don't think I'd cry. I just would be like, you're so cute. I love you. But Benedict, I think I would cry. Like, I really think I would. And I'm the type of person, like, I don't want to talk to celebrities on the street. I feel like it's so sort of rude and intrusive because, you know, they have their own lives. I'm like, okay, for Hugh Jackman, <laughs> all of that etiquette would just go out the window. I just would be like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry, Hugh. I just can't control myself. <laughs> trying to give this hand a little more anatomy. I just feel like it looks really floppy right now. Okay, but it doesn't have to look great yet. I mean, I just need to get something in there and I need to make it dark enough that we're not getting lots of highlights. So one thing that's helpful when you're doing a painting is to remind yourself what is truly the brightest part. Like for me, it's here on the figure. So I have to say nothing else can compete with that. Everything else has to come a step down from that area. And that's a good way to keep track of things. So you don't go too crazy with that. All right, I gotta switch back to the big brush. And I want to just beef up. What is all this junk? Oh my God. It's all over. Yuck. Okay. And I do need to beef up the darkness in the hair. So here I'm, I'm going to build up thicker paint. Because in the other areas, I was trying not to do that. Here I am. A little more action in the hair so it feels more dynamic. Oh, shoot. Sorry, there's a big shadow here. It's coming from my computer. So, yeah, sorry. That's not very accurate. All right, let's do some close looking. It still feels mushy to me, but I think it's okay because this is just the underpainting. This is not where I'm going to end up. Karasu says the anatomy seems off. The head seems twisted the wrong way. What I would say is I'm not concerned about that because it's already a strange pose. It's upside down. It's disorienting. And so I think any attempts for me to make a precise figure in proportion, it's out the window because I haven't set up a situation for that. And honestly, I think sometimes when things are that precise, it's sort of boring as a piece. Um, 
And I, I hope that I've messed with the anatomy enough that people aren't expecting that so much. Oh, one quick thing. I feel like this needs to be better defined. These like folds in the thigh. Yeah, I kind of lost that when I was smudging things out. Ooh, don't do that. Yeah, that shape should be a little more prominent, I think. Oh, and this needs to be, let's just smudge that out a little. Oh, bud. Hang on, <laughs> buddy wants to get out. Hey bud, come here. Come say hi to everybody. Buddy, come here. Right here, honey. No, don't jump up. Okay, there, you can see his, there he is. Buddy. Hang on, I'll be right back. He has to get up. Bud, here you go. Gosh, that was a really long nap. He was in here for two hours. Yes. Sarah Z, Kara Walker, Dana Schutz, Nicole Eisenman. Ugh. It's like, I, I know I've made my peace with what I'm doing. But sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I want to win a MacArthur. I want to show the Guggenheim. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't cooperating. I was hoping he would come say hi, but of course not cooperating. And we have Karasu saying, do you have a good free alternative to Instagram? I don't know how to build my own website. People ask me about that a lot and there are other options, but you know something, nobody uses them. So a lot of people say, oh, use Behance. I had a Behance account for a long time. Guess what? Nothing. I never had interaction on Behance. And the key to social media and building a following is engagement with other people. And if there's no engagement, you can't do anything. And there's art station, but that's more people who are doing concept art or fantasy illustration. So it's not a great fit for fine artists. So there are alternatives, but the thing is nobody's hanging out there. And so yes, Instagram is problematic for various reasons, but if you want traffic, that's where everybody's hanging out. So if you go somewhere else, there's not going to be a lot of people there. Oh, yeah. So the name is Via Selmans. Let me type that into the chat so everybody can see. Via Selmans. Via Selmans is a Latvian artist. And her work is incredibly time-consuming. I mean, she's prints that take a year to create. I know, it's not dog hair. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. And Vav says, there's someone in Discord who's thinking about making an artist-focused app. I haven't been online. See, that's the thing is that, yeah, there are all these other options, but it's like everyone's hanging out at Instagram. And Seven Angelic says color attracts a lot more attention over black and white, which is unfortunate. I, some of my favorite work is black and white. 
And there's just no comparison. I mean, if somebody's making slime and <laughs> it's bright purple and it has sparkles, and of course you're going to look at that first. So that's the problem is it just does not fit into that experience. Yeah, there's TikTok. I'm on it because a lot of our audience is on it. And you know something? I was surprised because I feel like I, well, first of all, I didn't get it at first. I really had to spend time on it and looking at things, watching Pedro Pascal and Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I always like those videos because I want them to show it to me more. Um, but the thing about TikTok is people, I think, because it's a video app, are like, oh, I have to make a video. You don't. You, you can actually make a carousel pose, which is just stills that people swipe through. Or there's a lot of videos on TikTok. It's just like one clip. It's not like an edited video. And that's what I thought it was at first. It's not. And then there's all these like templates and things where you can put in five images and it'll arrange it into a jigsaw puzzle or whatever you want. So I, I was sort of surprised the way TikTok works, it, it's not what we think about with video, at least for me, because I'm old school. I was, oh, video, you have to edit, you have to do, no. Some videos is just somebody holding it and it's a video, but it might as well be a still. So that's very, very confusing. Vav says, my vibe is that, yeah, they're winning awards of world-class artists, but I haven't heard anyone say, oh, yeah, Dana Schutz really changed my life, seeing her art really hit on a deep level. Well, the thing is, Dana Schutz is in a different orbit. I mean, maybe she's on Instagram. I don't know. But she's in a totally different universe than some of these other artists. And you know something? I'm sorry to tell you guys this, but anytime I see an artist described as award-winning, internationally acclaimed. I'm like, nah. Because you know something? If you look at Sarah Z, they don't describe her as an internationally renowned. She is, but they don't describe her that way. And she doesn't have that on her website either. She doesn't write award-winning artist on her website, okay? So when I see people describe themselves as award-winning international artists, I'm like, you know, that's not a good sign if you feel the need to spell that out. I mean, I've been watching Shazia Sikander. Actually, let me put her name into the chat as well. I love her work. Oh my God, she's so good. So Shazia Sikander, she recently created this public art sculpture of a female form with these like ram horn-like hair braids. And it's on top of the courthouse in New York City, and you know something, every other figurative sculpture that's on the courthouse, it's white dudes in togas. And so she's created this wonderful contemporary piece about women, and it's got the collar of Ruth G Bader Ginsburg, okay? Now, Shazia Sikander doesn't describe herself as award-winning. She doesn't need to. She won a MacArthur. She's <laughs> doing all these cool things. So a little tip for all of you, when you're on your website or any messaging you're putting out about yourself, don't use those words because they're kind of cringy. I, I'm sorry, but I, I went to this art center's website and every instructor they had, they listed them as award winning. I'm like, 
I, I don't think this is a good sign. <laughs> I guess saying given experience with Pinterest. I know that people use it very often. I know it's helpful for building mood boards because it's just structured that way. And there's cool stuff on there. Okay. I'm not saying there isn't, but most of what I see on Pinterest is skinny white women with lots of makeup on. That's what most of Pinterest is. And a lot of people tell me, oh, I got the reference from Pinterest. And I'm sure there are good ones on there, but most of them are really fake looking. They're not real people. And so you'll notice the reference photos I post on our Flickr, it's not skinny white women with lots of makeup on. It's real people, people with wrinkles, people who have skin that's not perfectly smooth and photoshopped. And so that's the bigger problem is that most of the time when I've seen people show me what they're using from Pinterest, it's always this really hyped up makeup thing. And, and even, you know, they do have older people on Pinterest, but they have so much makeup on. And I'm like, this is not helpful. So sure, use it if you want. But what I have found is that it's just really monotonous. It's very homogenous, what you see on Pinterest. It's not diverse at all. Jazz says, I want to be in the Dana Schutz universe. I keep getting rejection letters for art shows. You know something at the Dana Schutz level, you don't apply for shows. You just get asked. That's how high of a profile you have to have. The gallery owners need to know you, the dealers, the art curators. And if you're not on their radar, you're not going to get in. And the shows that you apply to, they're a great experience. If you've never shown before, it's really helpful to do that. Like a jury show where you pay $30, you submit, and then they have a juror who comes in and picks the show. Those are really good experiences to get started. But the Dana Schutz universe, the White Cube Art Gallery, MacArthur Genius people, it's so hard to break in. So much of it is connections and knowing people is very, very hard. Please join me in the Discord in the post live stream stage channel for a chat, and I will post better photos of my painting. Remember, we do have openings left in our April workshops, Jelly Plate Experiments and Drawing Cats. Join the Patreon group. We have so much fun there, everybody. We have weekly voice sessions where you can share your art with staff. I provide critiques and support. I do not do that in the public channels because I'd go out of my mind. And what a nice thing about Patreon group. It's a small group of artists. Our server has over 11,000 people. And trust me, it's hard to make connections. With 11,000 people, the Patreon group is much smaller. People really have investment in each other. Artprof has services, artist calls, portfolio critiques, statement editing, and personal art curriculums. So I will hope that you will all join me for the Discord chat right after this stream. Thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next time. Bye.